Hello, and welcome to what is my podcast about spooky Halloween edition. Ooh. This is an episode that you might have noticed is out of our normal schedule, as it's coming out on the 31st specifically. Uh, but that's was we thought we would share some spooky stories with you to finish this Spooktober off, essentially, with a bonus episode. Spooktober is always a fun month for us to do podcasting because we get to talk about spooky things, and Matt hates it. What a better way to do it than to end with just a straight-up spooky story. Yeah. My name, as always, is Keith Ramsey, and uh, those other two hosts you heard are Peter Akerley. Hello! And Matthew Grace. Hi. I tried to do, like, a spooky dragon at the vowel sound. And I don't Matthew know if I carried well. <laughs> it just didn't work. <laughs> Fuck, what are we talking about today, guys? So today we decided we changed things up a little bit, and today's episode is we've all brought in our own creepy urban legends that we're going yeah. to be sharing. So we're less so like diving into a topic and getting into the meat of it, more so just sharing some scary stories. Yeah, so sit back, enjoy the stories, and our thoughts on them, I guess. Yeah. So we'll start off with, uh, I guess, the spookiest of spooky stories with Matt, because what's more spooky than reality? Yes. And also, this one's a little shorter and hits close to home, because it takes place very locally in our very own downtown Halifax. Now, I'm sure you all know what happened December 6th, 1917. There's the big old Halifax explosion. At the time, it was the largest man-made explosion in the world. Not ringing any bells. <laughs> I'm just kidding, yes, I'm well aware of the Halifax explosion. Well, anyway, at the time, and still standing to this day, is a particular building. The St. Paul's Anglican Church. Now... I don't know if you've walked past it, either of you, or have you even heard of this particular haunted window. Oh, I've heard of it. Actually, I've heard of the window. Yes, I have heard of the haunted okay, window. Okay, good. Too. Because I've spoken to quite a few people who have not known about it at all and have lived in the area. Now, I will preface with, I have never seen the haunted window. I've seen it myself, uh, and you can even see it on Google Maps. Okay, because I've heard of it, and I've heard about what you're probably going to get into, but mm. I've never actually seen it, because was when I was much younger, not living in the city, and since I got to the city, I actually completely forgot about it okay. until now. Now, it's a short little story, but it goes, the most popular theory is that on the day of the explosion, the deacon of the church was standing on the second floor near a window facing the uh, Northwest Strait when the explosion went off, and the immense heat of the blast etched his silhouette into the window. More so that it etched the area around him, whereas he kind of blocked it from etching directly behind him. Precisely. And that's all well and good, but the spooky part is, they've since replaced the window a couple times. Yep. And the silhouette has reappeared every time. You can still see it to this day when you walk past. And another popular theory, not quite so much as the deacon in the church, is... It was a decapitated head of a sailor that got blasted through the window and left the cracked shape that you see. I find that theory interesting just because of the idea of... Presumably this was a sailor who was quite close to the uh, explosion. Uh, meaning that the explosion was big enough or, or powerful enough to decapitate him and launch his head across the harbor and into the St. Paul's Anglican Church. But not powerful enough to distort or misshape his head yeah. in any way, shape, or and, form. Well, here's the thing, though. That explosion of the force of the Halifax explosion, I'm pretty sure humans that close to the blast would have been just disintegrated. disintegrated. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
a little known fact about well maybe not little known fact maybe well known fact about the Halifax explosion but there are hills in Halifax that are flat at the top because the top of the hill was sheared off by the fucking explosion I find it hard to believe that a human head survived. And there's the anchor. Uh, where's that at? It flew quite a distance. Oh, yes. I forget where it landed, but yeah. Yeah, that's quite a ways away. Like but a couple of cities away. <laughs> yeah. But also, if you look at maps of the dest- destruction and the angle that the church is, just looking at that, I find it hard to believe that a severed head was actually flung through the window, just at the angle alone. Yeah. Well, human heads have a boomerang effect, from what I understand. So it could curve in midair to hit the window. <laughs> it curves into the window outside the other side, curved right back and went back into the explosion. <laughs> yes. And that's why there's no evidence. Exactly. Or, depending on its velocity, it could have just bounced off something. Yeah. Like the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is no longer spooky because oh. now I'm just imagining a human head bouncing like a rubber ball off of a wall and then off oh. the window to leave the imprint. <laughs> Still a very morbid thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's morbid, but it's just so cartoony. I can't be scared by it. But yeah, I just brought that up because it's such a local thing, and you can still see the evidence of it to this day. Yeah, it's one I've I remember hearing it when I was much younger uh, in the city about like because I think the window was replaced when I was younger. Specifically yeah, one of the yeah. replacements, and that people were talking about how the mark came back again. And I was like, oh, okay, by that, like I didn't clue in anything. I said, oh, haunted window somewhere. But I, I guess what I should say is I never knew it was on the church. And I just kind of forgot about it. It's like, oh, well, because no one mentioned it again. Uh, but next time you're in downtown Halifax and you're walking past the church, take a look at the second story windows. Yeah. And you'll see the silhouette of the head. Dun, dun, dun. I like to imagine that the church just keeps intentionally etching the windows just to, like, draw drive up people, like, walking in to, like, check out the window or shit like I that. Mean, I mean, maybe. They do have other relics in the church of the explosion. Like, they have a window or door frame that's embedded in the wall of the church and they have a plaque saying that this is a relic from the explosion i mean case in point we are now talking about this on a podcast mentioning the church repeatedly so <laughs> in a dark room by candlelight yes no electric- as you can tell we really set the spooky mood even though this is a complete audio medium <laughs> well we have to do it by candlelight because if we leave lights on the trick-or-treaters will assume someone's home and keep hounding us during this fucking podcast <laughs> We need the candlelight. Well, you don't want the doorbell interrupting us every few seconds. Keith has a hard enough time editing these podcasts as is not having to cut out trick-or-treaters every five minutes. But yeah, you were saying before we actually sat down to record, though, that you weren't sure if that was an religion. I think that actually, because of the mystery of the window itself, yeah, there was a, a factual thing that happened, but it's the mystery of what's happening with this window. Yeah, and I do believe that most urban legends do stem in part from fact. Yeah, and yeah. I guess I probably should have started with this when we started the episode, but what is an urban legend, right? An urban legend is essentially just folklore that's more of like when it, within a city basis, I guess you should say. It's not so much the tales of like, you know, werewolves and vampires specifically. It's creepy, unexplained things that might or might not be true that are happening with people together in a sense. Yeah, it's as the name very much implies, it's legends like we have throughout all of human history but based in a more urban setting. Yeah, uh, and often, sometimes they're tied to those older folklore things, and that's kind of the evolution of what yeah. became an urban legend. Oftentimes and, they're less based on like the idea of like magical abilities and stuff like that, and more so just like fucked up human nature and shit that can go wrong when humans are packed too closely together. Yeah, and uh, as you'll find out through some of those stories we'll go through today as well, a lot of these uh, kind of keep that same aspect of Folklore was meant to, through almost scaring you, teach you a moral lesson or something that was important. And this uh, 
evolution kind of also applies to quite a few of the more famous urban legends as well, where it's there to teach you a purpose or a reason, and some of them are a little bit more based in truth than you would like. Yeah. Like, if there's a munitions ship in the harbor on fire... Don't stand near a second window in the church. Yeah. Find some cover. Don't stand next to the window. Stand next to a solid wall. That will protect you more than the window. Not significantly more, but slightly more. If you're a sailor, make sure your head's fastened on. Yeah. And to add to the credibility of the mysteriousness mysteriousness behind these stories, since the stories are often told by word of mouth, there's bound to be some variation from telling to telling. Yeah, well, just, for example, the one you just told us, it has two variations of what causes the silhouette. Yeah, exactly. The guy on the second floor that was by the window when it, the explosion went off, or something hitting it, like a person's body. Both have their issues. Like, the sailor flying across, we've already kind of talked about the issues with that. The guy with the window was presumably on the inside of the window, so I don't know how an explosion from the outside had his image etched on it, but whatever. It's like the old-fashioned cameras where it was actually, like, the light reflecting off of you onto a sheet of glass. Of course. Uh, regardless, it's you kind of have to take all of them with a grain of salt, as it were, just because of the fact that, like, with the word of mouth retelling, details get lost or changed. Uh, as... Keith, you kind of gave us a bit of a hint of some of the stories you're going to talk about. And I know some of them have huge variations between them yeah. and like multiple different retellings with differences. And one of them, I wasn't even aware that it was an urban legend. I thought it was just a fake ghost story that you tell around the campfire. <laughs> so I guess we'll get into it here. Uh, so I want to start off with what is probably my favorite urban legend uh, that I've ever heard. And it's just a really fun concept that's actually been homaged in a lot of movies and stuff like that. But this one is called Humans Can Lick Too. So I'm just going to read the, the most commonly accepted urban legend out to you guys, and then we'll talk about some more of the fun things here. So, once there was a beautiful young girl who lived near a small town. Her parents had gone to town for a while, and they left the daughter home alone. But she was protected by her dog, a very large collie. The girl's parents told her to lock all the windows and doors after they had left, and at 8 p.m. her parents would return. Oh, sorry, at 8 p.m. her parents went to town, and they would return later in the night. Doing what she was told, the girl shut, locked every door, every window, but there was one window in the basement that just would not close. She tried her best, trying to force it, and after a struggle, she eventually did get it to close, but the latch would not lock. Thinking that it being closed and how small it is wouldn't be a problem, she left as such, went upstairs, locked the basement door, went to bed. Dog would normally fall asleep at her feet next to the bed and comfort her throughout the night. But at one point through the night, she suddenly woke. She turned and looked around the dark room, saw the clock said 2.30 a.m. She snuggled down again, wondering what could have been that woke her. She heard a noise. She wasn't sure. There was just a faint sound of dripping. She kind of got lost in her thoughts, fell back to bed. Again, the night goes on, and she wakes up again, feeling a bit nervous this time. She reaches her hand over the bed, again that dripping sound, and her dog comforts her by licking her hand. This was something the dog normally did uh, when it knew that she was tense would help her relax. Falls asleep again, and again the dripping sound wakes her up. This time it's 3.45 a.m. The dripping sound is getting louder, and she's getting a little bit more frustrated about this. So she gets, puts her hand down towards the dog, licks her hand again, and she falls back asleep. Then, finally, at 6.52 a.m., it's getting close to the time her parents should be returning. They'd be returning the following morning. The girl decides that she's had enough. She's going to find out what's causing the sound. She gets up, and as she's heading down, she sees her parents coming 
down the driveway. Gucci thinks, now someone can finally fix whatever's broken. It could be a sink or something else. She then walks to her bathroom, and that's when she sees, hanging from the shower curtain, the dog. Dead and gutted. The blood is the dripping sound that she's been hearing all night. And then on the mirror, and the dog's blood is, humans can lick too. This is a disturbing story. <coughs> now, the fun thing about this is something some of this actually happened. The, now, this is an urban legend, uh, which, as I mentioned, that's kind of trying to teach a tale of, you know, lock your doors and windows, essentially yeah. what it's getting to. When you're told to do something by your parents, do it. Now, in the original story of this, there was no dog. Uh, but it comes from a story of a girl who was receiving threatening phone calls, essentially. And she was kind of just ignoring them. And uh, eventually the police did end up showing up. But what ended up happening was someone had broken into her house and was threatening her, and they were actually under her bed. And that's where it's believed that this urban legend kind of initially came from with the idea of, like, the dog licking the hand are more of the fable things added into the story to make it a little, that much more creepy. Yeah. Because yeah. the version I heard... It was pretty much exactly the same, except it didn't have the message written on the mirror. It was just left up to the listener's imagination to come to the conclusion that someone else was in there. Of course, and there are some variations to this as well. Sometimes it's she sees the dog dripping blood, and then she sees the shadow of someone behind her. Mm -hmm. Or when she runs back to the room to see what was like in her hand, scrawled it on the blood uh, on the floor, is like, humans can lick too, my, uh, my pretty, something like that. Yeah. I've also heard... Uh, it's a very similar story, and some believe that it has a similar basis, uh, but a different twist on it, which is the idea of a girl's out studying all night, preparing for her exams oh. the next morning. Are you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Yes. Uh, she realizes she forgot one of her textbooks at home, so she goes home, uh, sees the, all the, the lights are off, she doesn't hear any sounds coming from inside the apartment, she knows she has a roommate who shares her room with her, and rather than turning on the lights to look for a roommate, she assumes she's just sleeping and leaves the lights off. Heads back out, figures she doesn't need the textbook that badly to prepare. A uh, couple hours later, she finishes studying, comes back to her room, turns on the lights to see her roommate dead and gutted in her bed with the post-it note beside her saying, aren't you glad you didn't turn on the lights? Uh, implying that the killer was in the room and the person was already dead when she came back the first time. And if she had have turned on the lights, she would have been killed by the murderer. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Just multiple variations, clearly very different from Humans Can Lick 2, but, like, based on the same idea of not realizing a killer's in the room at the time and assuming it's something else, only to have a note left later to kind of fuck with your mind a little uh, bit. Another famous one would be the uh, the famous babysitter story of yes. having checked on the kids. Where it's the person calling the house while the woman's baby, uh, usually it's the female babysitter who's watching the kids, puts them up to bed, starts getting threatening phone calls of, like, have you checked on the children? And then eventually she goes upstairs to find that the children are dead. Or another variation. Or she like calls the, the police the house, and yeah. the police are like, trace the call and like, oh, he's inside the house. Yeah. Stuff mm -hmm. like that. He was trying to lure her upstairs so that he could murder her in front of the children. Or in, with the children as well. Or with the children, yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Just different variations on the idea of a killer's inside the house and you don't know it until it's too late. Uh, now, another famous urban legend I'd like to mention, too, uh, is The Hook. And Ooh, I'm sure you guys have heard the, this in all of its variations. Potentially. The title's not familiar. I'm pretty sure you have, Matt, but we'll, we'll find out. Maybe this will be new. So this is a shorter one, so I'll read this one off for you. 
Uh, a teenage boy drove his date to a dark and deserted lover's lane for a makeout session. Already starting off good. He turned on the radio for mood and then leaned in to whisper to the girl's ear and began to kiss her. Minutes later, the mood was broken, though, when the music suddenly stopped mid-song. After a moment, the silent announcer voice came on, warning that a ominous tone that a convicted murderer has just escaped from the local insane asylum, which happened to be located within half a mile of where they were parked. Urging that anyone who notices a man wearing a stainless steel hook in place of his missing hand should report his whereabouts to the police immediately. The girl started to become frightened and asked to be taken home. The boy, feeling bold, locked all the doors, insisting they would be fine. There's nothing to worry about. He attempts to kiss her more, uh, get things to escalate, but she's still worried, can't put it out of her mind, and is becoming frantic. She pushes him away, insisting that he take her home now. Finally, the boy uh, kind of peevishly jerks the car into gear, deciding, fine, and then speeds off into the night. The wheels sputter, and they peel out of the area. Finally, he gets her to the house. The boy uh, uh, tells her good night. As she exits the car, though, she turns around and screams. The boy gets out of the car, runs to the side, and in the passenger handle of the car is a stainless steel hook on the door handle. Oh, yep, yeah, I've heard this one before. This is another one that has lots of its variations. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me is the girl who's driving home along the highway and a big uh, 18-wheeler behind her keeps flashing its lights, bumping up against the back of her truck. Uh, freaking her out, she thinks the guy's trying to drive her off the road, flashing his high beams at her. Uh, and it's only when she gets back to her home and gets off the highway that she realizes that there was a killer in the backseat of the car. And every time he stood up to try and kill her in the car the 18-wheeler behind her would turn on his high beams and freak the guy out mm -hmm. and try and crash into the car to alert her to the fact that there was a killer yeah, in the car. and other variations where the person behind were trying to flash the high beams just to alert them that there was someone in the backseat. Yeah. yeah, And the hook also has variations where the boyfriend will leave and not return and the girl is hearing some weird sounds and when she gets out, the boyfriend is strung up above the car. Something along those lines. Yeah. I believe the original version of this, though, is the car breaks down and the guy goes off to get gas essentially so he locks the door leaves and then she falls asleep wakes up and sees the person next to her window and he holds up the head of the boyfriend and she starts panicking and he holds up his other hand he's got the keys Ooh. uh but uh this one is also one of those ones it it's kind of based on like you know classic morality which uh you see in kind of like a lot of the old slasher movies where if you break the rules you kind of die in the version i read you guys they get it alive because they decided not to have sex in the car and so they're rewarded for being pure, I guess, is the idea of it. But in any one where they've gone a little bit further, they tend to die. Yeah, a lot of these ones also involve the idea of just, like, general car safety. Like, just pulling over in the middle of the woods for whatever reasons, whether it's hanky-panky or not. Be aware of your surroundings when you do so. Just, like, don't fucking drive off like a maniac. It was generally just kind of teaching kids the dangers of being in a car, whether it's Crazy murderers are just yeah. being reckless in a yeah. fucking car. Yeah, big <laughs> truck's trying to run you off the road. They're probably trying to save your life. Exactly. And even if you're in the middle of the woods, it might not even be a killer. It might be a bear. Yeah. With the hook hand. With the hook hand. Just With two hook hands. Yeah. Moral of the story, just exercise some common sense. Moral of the story, bears are fucking terrifying. <laughs> Alright. Um, so I didn't bring so much of a uh, urban legend per se. I kind of focus more so on the natural evolution of urban legends in my mind, uh, which is something that started to come out 
early 2000s when they first started happening, but they've kind of grown in vogue over the time since then. It's the idea of a creepypasta, or just, like, different creepy stories that you find on the internet that, like, people claim are true, but you don't know. So there's ideas like Ben Drowned, which is the idea of a Link, uh, Legend of Zelda cartridge that someone played and died in the Water Temple, but also drowned in real life and the cartridge became haunted. Or uh, another good example of, like, a more recent, which kind of fits with the urban legend idea, is the concept of Slenderman. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also the idea of, in the original Pokemon game, the Lavender scene from Town Lavender Sandra. Town caused kids to commit suicide. That's another creepypasta story that wasn't true, but definitely made you wor- weirded out about listening to the Lavender Town music on full Although, blast. I think the true story regarding that is that it caused seizures in the original version. That is possible. All I know for sure is that it definitely wasn't causing kids to commit suicide. Also, Lavender Town music has never caused anything on a child at all, whether that be seizures or suicide. <laughs> it's just the, the urban legend goes that the creepy atmosphere and the, uh, the whole play around the ghost concept and that was just a really good setting for, oh, it's affecting the minds. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah, only time Pokemon's caused seizures was that one episode, which is barely aired it's like porygon war force or something like that yeah it aired once and then it caused seizures and then they immediately took it off the air and they're like oh no we can't just put that out there for people <laughs> to find and it only aired in japan yeah. yeah uh so speaking of creepy bosses a lot of them kind of break the rule i was talking about beforehand where most of them are based on less supernatural stuff and more so real things that could happen in an urban environment when people are back together a lot of creepy pastas just start bringing back the supernatural so I'm going to focus on uh, one of those with a story called The In-Dream Hotline, uh, which is a creepypasta that I found recently and was quite fond of. Um, so it uh, starts with a uh, business card was left in a young man's mailbox. Uh, it was quite un- unassuming. It was a simple white font affixed to a black background, uh, but its claim was quite bold. It said... There is now an in-dream hotline you can call to escape nightmares. Uh, simply find a red rotary phone in your dreamscape, uh, pick it up, and choose a number uh, to be connected. A good night's sleep is just around the corner. Enjoy your rest. Now, the thing is, uh, the young man in question who found this business card at first thought it was a prank from one of his friends because he had recently been suffering from nightmares uh, and had confided this in his friends based on trauma he had experienced as a child. He assumed his friends were kind of playing a prank on him by giving him this business card. As he kind of thought about it some more, he realized it was probably their way of trying to be nice to him and saying, like, there is an end to this. You will escape the nightmares eventually. You just kind of have to suffer through it for now. But eventually this this will not control your entire life. Um, so he decided not to confront his friends about the prank. He just assumed it was their way of trying to be kind to him. So he put the card in his pocket and kind of forgot about it for a while. Later that night, as he was going to bed, he was stuck thinking about the trauma from his childhood. When he went swimming in the ocean with his father, and they were having competitions to see who could hold their breath underwater the longest. Uh, And his father, in his final round, uh, went underwater and never resurfaced. Now, the son always attributed this to some sort of, like, ocean-based monster or something like that when he was younger. As he grew up, he realized it was a much more real monster of just undertoes, and he probably sank underwater, got caught by an undertow, and was dragged out to the middle of the fucking ocean. Or he's just really running that contest, or and he's, he's holding it for years. really fucking running it down, and just being an absolute champ. But it's caused trouble for him, because he's always been afraid of the ocean ever since then. Uh, so, later that night, he uh, decides to 
go to sleep. I guess he doesn't decide. He goes to sleep as all human beings do. Um, <laughs> I think we normally decide to go to sleep, Peter. That's fair. I guess you do technically decide to go to sleep. So as he was falling asleep, the kind of peaceful sleep that he got at the beginning was very short-lived and he began kind of as he usually did as his nightmares did. Uh, so he watched from the shadows as his dad tucked his younger self in and read aloud a bedtime story. That moment of the dream was always pretty peaceful, a uh, bit of a calm before the storm. He briefly basked in the ambient nostalgia before remembering the events that would inevitably come next. After the story that his father uh, told him concluded, he transformed into some horrific sea monster with tentacles for arms, dripping ocean water, claws on his face, just an absolute fucking nightmare. Uh, quite literally. Uh, and he started talking about dragging him down into the bottom of the ocean so he could live with his father some more. But he starts running through his home trying to escape from his father. When he reaches into his pocket and he finds the business card he saw earlier. And it's weird because even though he knows he's in his dream, he can see it with like picture perfect uh, clarity, which is something you usually have a hard time focusing on in a dream. Still says the exact same words it did before about finding a phone, red rotary phone, lifting the receiver, talking into it, and you'll be released. Uh, so he finds a red rotary phone, decides, fuck it, I know this isn't fake, but maybe it's a way of consciously telling my mind, I know this is a dream and I want to wake up, and maybe he'll wake up from it. So he dials into the phone, and he hears an answer on the other end. The phone says, hello, welcome to the in-dream hotline. We're here to deal with your nightmares. How can we help you? He says, I'm in the middle of a nightmare right now. I need help. And they say, we have three different options for you. We have transportation, uh, transformation, or... Uh, elimination those are your three options what do you want he says i want to eliminate this monster i don't want to deal with it anymore can i go with elimination I said well you need to have the pro uh subscription to use the elimination option <laughs> where you're just a base subscriber you can only access the transportation for right now and he's like fuck it transportation uh and then the voice on the other side says absolutely we'll transport the body away for you uh and within a couple seconds his father fish monster demon guy is immediately teleported away and he's just left with a peaceful dream for the rest of his night is perfectly fine. He wakes up the next morning and he smells someone cooking breakfast from his kitchen, which is weird because he lives alone, so who would be cooking breakfast? He walks out to see his father standing at the oven cooking breakfast. His father turns to him and says, Ah, hello, I hope you're hungry because I know I am. And his features start morphing into this tentacle monster from his dreams. His cell phone starts ringing in his pocket. He answers it and it's the same voice from his dream the night before saying, it Seems like something went wrong with your transportation. Would you like to try for the transformation or vanquish option? He's like, yes, absolutely. I want to eliminate this monster. He's like, all right, well, give us your credit card information over the phone right now. Meanwhile, Buddy's running through his apartment, locking his bedroom door. Uh, and he's hiding in his bedroom, talking on the phone, giving over his credit card information as ocean water starts slowly seeping under the door jam, uh, filling up his room. As he finishes the information, uh, the voice on the other side says, all right. Uh, we'll take about a week to process your information and we will provide the vanquish option in that time. Good luck surviving until that time. <laughs> that's where the story ends. Oh my god. <laughs> the real villains. Dream problems, yes. <laughs> Credit card companies, the real villains. <laughs> process my damn payment faster, please. There's a couple things about that to process. One, the actual horror of your nightmare becoming real. And two, the actual fact that there's people out there trying to steal credit card information. Yep. Uh, so yeah, uh, that's kind of the idea of a creepy house. It's just like a creepy story that exists, uh, that is spooky. Yes. 
And uh, not to be fair, not all the creepypastas involve magic per se, because a yes. lot of urban legends kind of go back to the idea of like ghosts and stuff. Yes. So that one's a kind of like a weird take on it. Yeah, that why. one's a, that one's also a fairly recent creepypasta, so that's probably also why it feels the need to invoke magic. Whereas a lot of the kind of classic creepypastas you might think of don't tend to invoke magic quite so heavily. Yeah, yeah like some have supernatural monsters that might not use magic, like uh, Slenderman or Siren Head. Uh, another interesting thing to actually talk about is urban legends also tend to take on like different aspects when you go around the globe. And actually, there was a few Japanese ones I wanted to bring up too because these ones tend to focus a lot more on spirits yes. uh, that are vengeful. Uh, one one to really mention is uh, Kuchisake Ona, which you guys might is that the of. toilet monster? No. So this is the the woman that walks around the streets of I believe it's Tokyo, and she's wearing a, a surgical mask and she's carrying a large pair of scissors. And she just walks up to random people and asks, am I beautiful? If you say no, she kills you. If you say yes, she immediately rips off her mask. And you can see that her mouth has been like cut open at the corners, like right above her face. So it's like this really jagged, you can see her teeth and everything. Look, and she says, what about now? And if you still say yes, she then cuts up your face to look like her. And if you say no, she decapitates you or something. I don't know. Yeah, a lot of these... Oh, Japanese. another fun fact about the Japanese ghosts. You don't get away from them. <laughs> yeah, there's no. no winning. Like the toilet monster I was talking earlier, if you go to a bathroom in Jap- uh, Japan, supposedly the spirit will come approach you and ask if yeah. you want red toilet paper or blue toilet paper. Specifically, this one is Akamanto. Akamanto. Uh, if you ask for blue toilet paper, uh, she'll fill your stall with water and drown you alive. And if you ask for red toilet paper, uh, she'll cut you to pieces and you'll be covered in red blood and shit like that. Yeah. Uh, uh, now, to be fair... A lot of these ones, there's kind of is a trick to kind of get away from them at the very least. For example, the uh, Ona one. The, the version of the legend is sometimes how it's explained is when she says, how about now, when she reveals her face, if you flinch or show any like change that you're horrified, that's what will cause you to die. But if you can keep a cool face and don't react to it, she won't kill you because you're not lying to her. But, like, Akamanto is notorious for there is no way you're getting away from this man. Pretty much when you're in the toilet stall and you get this guy coming up asking about toilet paper, you're, you're done for. Because even, like, the trick answers won't work. For example, if he says, red or blue toilet paper, uh, and you say, well, I got white toilet paper right here, he still kills you. If you say, I don't need to wipe, I don't need toilet paper, he still kills you. <laughs> yeah. That's, like, kind of the hallmark a lot of, of a lot of these Japanese horror stories is, like, or not horror stories, but urban legends, is, like, in a lot of American ones... There are absolutely ways to survive, like in a lot of the car hook-based ones. Just don't fuck people and you'll survive through the story. Or the fucking don't look too closely for the dripping sound. Or don't turn the lights on when you first get home. Like, there are lots of ways of, like, surviving in the American urban legends. But the Japanese ones, you have to follow a very specific set of steps in order to have a chance at survival in, like, half of them. And the other half of them, you're just fucked. You're gonna die no matter what you do. So your best bet there is just to avoid the situation entirely. Don't go out at night. Don't go in public washrooms. Don't go to Japan in general. <laughs> <laughs> There's ghosts. They're angry. Eh, no promises on that. I kind of want to go. Yeah, I don't blame you. It seems like a cool place. Now, uh, on the idea of creepypastas that you're talking about, I kind of do want to revisit one story, which is I want to go back to the hook, because there's a, a, a really famous version that's always online which I'm going to read to you now. You've all probably heard it, and I just kind of wanted to share this with you because I really enjoyed this one. Man and girl go out to drive under moonlight. They stop on at a side of road. He turns to girl and say, Baby, I love you very much. What is it, honey? Our car is broken down. 
I think the engine is broken. I'll walk and get some more fuel. <laughs> okay, I'll stay here and look after our stereo. There have been news reports of stereos being stolen. Good idea. Keep the door locked no matter what. I love you, sweetie. So the guy left to get full uh, for car. After two hours, the girl say, where is my baby? He was supposed to be back by now. Then the girl hears a scritching sound and a voice say, let me in. The girl doesn't do it. And then after a while, she go to sleep. The next morning, she wakes up and finds her boyfriend still not there. She gets out of car and check in man door hand hook car door. Now this is the notorious creepypasta, man door hand hook car door. See, was this one of those weird stories made by an AI? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. The thing about this is it reads very much like someone who fucking put something through Google Translate and back to English yeah. fucking repeatedly. Every time you do that, it makes it fucking a hundred times funnier. Yeah, so as you can tell, this is clearly just another version of the hook story that just goes off the rails. It's uh, kind of like, turn what's that one? The, uh, like, I Heart You Forever? Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Potart Tragedy? It's just one of those ones where someone just, like, told the story in, like, a horribly jumbled way. Someone told the story while undergoing a stroke at the same time. Yeah. It's like how I talk normally. <laughs> but I just wanted to, because... That, that's, the, like, as soon as we decided we were doing Urban Legends, funny enough, that was the first thing that popped into my mind, was that story specifically, just because that's the one that's, like, most fresh in my mind of just, like, you know, <coughs> Urban Legends. And so that's kind of what made me want to also share the hook, mm -hmm. but, I, like, overall, it's like, okay, well, my favorite Urban Legend is the Humans Can Link 2 one. But this is kind of, like, a, the idea of, like, some of the creepypasts, because creepypasts Urban Legends get really weird, too. Yeah. There's one I don't remember in, like, a lot of detail, but there's one where, like, a woman ends up turning her dog into toothpaste and her children into bubbles. Yeah. Uh, when I heard, well, when we decided that we were going to do one on Urban Legends, the one that came to mind for me was the idea of Polybius. I didn't end up talking about it today because it doesn't really fit in a narrative storytelling uh, structure, but it's this whole idea of, in Portland, Oregon, in the 80s, uh, I think it's 1981 specifically. Uh, supposedly, like arcade uh, arcades in the suburbs released this new arcade com uh, console called Polybius, which was this weird game full of Technicolor graphics and weird polygons and all this shit. Uh, no one can really say specifically what happened in the game, but the whole idea is that uh, Men in Black kept showing up to record data from the machines, and the people who did play it say it was a very addictive game to play. Uh, and so there's all these legends about how this console, which no one can actually prove fully exist because we don't have a lot of records of it, but people believe it was uh, some sort of psychoactive test for uh, the CIA where they were trying to mind control people, essentially. So they created this console as a way of testing an early round of their psychoactive mind control technology, uh, which is why no one really remembers the game itself because it kind of erased itself from their memory. But it was also super addictive and people were fighting to play it because of the way it was affecting their minds at the time. Uh, so yeah, it didn't really fit for telling a spooky story, but it is absolutely my favorite urban legend. And another spooky story that I just remembered, but I can't, it's been ages since I've heard it, so I can't remember all the nice details. It's called Click Click Slide. Have you ever oh, heard yeah, of it? I know that one. Yeah, so essentially the gist of it is, I think a girl goes out to stay with her grandmother at her cabin in the woods. And her grandmother tells her a tale of the people who owned the cabin before her. How uh, the man was a hunter and like the woman was at home when the man went out in the woods hunting. 
The man never came back, so she went out looking and stepped in a bear trap that her husband had laid down. She had to cut off her leg to escape, and she tried, as she made her way back to the cabin, she stepped in another bear trap with her other leg and had to cut that off and never made it back. And so her grandmother warned her as the girl decided that she was just going to sit out on the porch a little bit as the sun went down, just not to stay out too late, else the undead woman will come looking for her. As undead women are wont to do. Looking for her legs that she has lost. Yeah. And uh, so grandmother goes inside. The girl, watching the sunset, kind of dozes off, falls asleep. When she wakes up, it's in the middle of the night. She's uh, like, okay, I should probably go inside. But then she hears a click, click, slide. Click, click, slide. And then it gets closer and closer. And then all of a sudden, you hear on the wood, click, click, thump. Something coming up the stairs. Click, click, thump. Click, click, thump. And coming into the porch light, you just see these decrepit hands with these disgustingly large nails just click and click against the porch and then this like disgusting rotting torso of a woman drags itself into view i think she cut a little too high just a little bit <laughs> yeah no, that's funny because i thought you were going to talk because there's the japanese herb legend which is the almost the exact same uh it's like teka teka i believe is what's called it's the sound of uh human fingernails mm. along concrete and it's the same thing. It's a Japanese schoolgirl who fell into a whale, uh, railway line and got cut in half by the train. And she wants to do to others what happened to her because no one would help her. So when you're on a, a rail station late at night, if you're by yourself, sometimes you're take a take a slide, the sound of the nails. Mm-hmm. And it's, she's pulling herself and she's notorious for killing people to she'll look in a way that's similar. So she cuts you in half to kill you. This one's a fun one because you just have to kind of get away from her. <laughs> just yeah. yeah, she's not the they're fastest not, they're of not the... Fast. Just, yeah. don't, just don't get cornered. Yeah, if you hear the sound, walk away from the sound. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, do you guys have any recommendations? I know this is less of our usual format, more of kind of a special episode, but sometimes we do recommendations for this. Yeah, one thing I wanted to just kind of share with them, and there's a podcast I'm a big fan of, which is called Lore uh, by Aaron Mankey. And essentially, he kind of just addresses folklore and tales from history that are happening and then kind of addresses the folklore within it so he kind of talks about like you know towns going mad with like you know a witch hunting fever or suspecting someone's a vampire and people disappearing and just kind of tells you the story about like you know the real horrors and reality essentially that it's within this uh, tales so it's definitely something worth picking up especially if you like the spooky stories year-round uh, and it kind of fits with what we're going about today these are all urban legends there's folklore based in it they're creepy, and some of them are ridiculous, as we've seen. Yeah. But it's definitely, if it's something you enjoy, it is a podcast worth picking out. Uh, so I personally want to recommend checking out the Creepypasta website. Mm-hmm. You get lots of really fun, kind of spooky stories. Some are a little bit more ridiculous than others. Um, I personally recommend, I'm not going to go into details about what the story's about. I'll just tell you that the title of the story is, If You're Armed and at Glenmont Metro, Please Shoot Me. <laughs> I'll give you a slight bit more detail. Uh... In the, the first line, so the first line is that, and then the next line is, make it a headshot, shoot me in the temple, aiming slightly downwards, I need the bullet to travel the shortest possible distance through my brain before it hits my hippocampus. That is the first line of the story. Fun. And, uh, I'll have two little recommendations. One, hearkening back to one of our previous episodes of SCP, a kind of branch of creepypasta 
gone in a whole new, more elaborate direction. It's like a science fiction aspect of horror stories. Yes. Yeah. But then, also, the old cartoon show, Martin Mystery. Not necessarily to watch, but take a look at all the different episodes, because each episode is based on a different kind of urban legend, folklore, paranormal activity, and it's them investigating the problems that are happening. So, if you like various paranormal or urban legend stories, just take a look at what uh, those episodes are about. Absolutely. Well, I hope you guys all enjoyed our spooky stories for today. Enjoy the rest of your Halloween if you are listening to this on the 31st. Of course, this is a bonus episode, so I uh, do expect our next actual episode to go up on November 9th as scheduled. Uh, but until then, enjoy the rest of the evening. Don't, don't get too spooked.